0: What a joyous thing to see during this season as we reflect on the Lord coming as such a child as these. (laughs) Sometimes I wonder if Mary and Joseph got frustrated with with Jesus and he was a child. But they bring such joy to us and peace. As I sit here or stand here today, I want to reflect on Advent, the Advent season, as we go into it. It's really interesting to me as we read through the passages of Scripture, preparing for Advent this week. I took a step back and thought, I'm very blessed to have the Gospels that tell of the Messiah and how he did come. But what if we didn't have? the gospel and we were still in the anticipation period so as i've learned from my some of my jewish brothers how to sit back and say la as many of us know within psalms i think about the scriptures of the anticipation and we'll look at a story in john 11 if you guys want to turn over there that's going to be the primary source Of what we look at. But I also took to heart. As I was sitting with a brother last week. About not jumping all over the scriptures. But focusing on one single passage. And how to really take what that passage says. And reflect on it. I struggled with that. So I can't just reflect just on one passage. But I will stay within the New Testament. And I will reflect on what some of those people we're struggling with as they may not have seen even the Messiah, who He was when he w- they were with Him. So let me first reflect as you guys are turning over to John 11. I'm going to look at Romans 11 really quick because it tells us about those who have went before us, the Jewish eyes that have been closed for our sake. And Romans 11, 5 through 8, it says, In the same way then, there are also... Come to be, at the present time, a remnant according to God's gracious choice. But if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. What then? What Israel is seeking, it has not obtained. But those who were chosen obtained it, and the rest were hardened. Just as it is written, God gave them a spirit of stupor. Eyes, eyes to see not, and ears to hear not down to this very day. And then jumping ahead, I want to make sure that we're not excluding Israel, as I always do, because I grew up in that. But it says in 17, But if some of the branches were broken off, and you, being a wild olive, were grafted in among them, and became partaker with them, of the rich root of the olive tree, do not be arrogant. Do not stand boastfully before anybody (coughs) toward the branches. But if you are arrogant, remember that it is not you who supports the root, but the root supports you. You will say then, branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. That's quite right. They were broken off for their unbelief. But you stand by your faith. Do not be conceited. Do not stand here conceited and mocking those who were broken off for us. For it is God did not. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he will not spare you either. Behold then the kindness and severity of God to those who fell severity. Who fell severity, but to you, God's kindness. If you continue in his kindness, otherwise you also will be cut off. Telling us to make sure we're continuing to be humble before God. Ask him to enlighten us. And they also, if they do not continue in their unbelief, will be grafted in. For God is able to graft them in again. You see, that passage is talking about Israel. They will be grafted in again in the last days. And we shall not take a boastful heart, for we should still continue to be humble. And you're going to see that in this passage as we look at um, John 11. If you're there, that's great. But again, as I reflect on what we... we uh, We do this year, and I've taken that step back. What if we didn't have the New Testament? What if we didn't know what Messiah would look like? Would it be clear to us? It wouldn't. I don't think it would. Should we take advantage of knowing what the New Testament says? Or should we take a step back and look at it? For those in this passage, I'm going to challenge you to see this. They did not even know that the Messiah was among them. They had faith in him, but were their behavior showing it? Chapter 11 points to how well Jesus knew this family. Now, a certain man was sick in Lazarus, of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It It was the Mary who anointed the Lord with anointment and wiped his feet with her hair whose brother Lazarus was sick. Tells you how intimate they were, how well they knew Jesus. But were their eyes still darkened? So, the sister sent word to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. So, in other words, what I think was going on is, there was a bunch of people in Mary and Martha's house. And Mary... Or Martha said, Hey, you know, we've seen with our own eyes that Jesus can heal the sick. Go tell him that our brother Lazarus is sick. Go there, tell him so he'll come back. But when Jesus heard this, he said, This sickness is not to the end, to end in death, but for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified by it. You see? Jesus, after receiving that word, I think he told that, that runner, that letter, if you will, and said, hey, go back. This won't end in death. It's for the glory of God. But Mary and Martha are going to see his physical body die. You'll see why I reference that in later passages where Jesus references how he told them that this is going to be the glory of God not to the purpose of death. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister Lazarus, her sister and Lazarus. Now when he heard that he was sick, he then stayed two days longer in the place where he was. How many of us have gotten word that a loved one is sick and want to get to them right away? Mom, dad, aunts, uncles, hey, they're not going to live for much longer. Do we wait very long to try to book that flight? Do we wait to get in our car and go? See, Jesus was already, already knew the outcome of the situation. But to allow God to be glorified in all His ways, He had to allow for the darkness to happen. Today we stand here, we know, we see darkness all around us. Yet we still hold hope. For we know the scripture and what the scripture says for the end times. It will get darker. But our light must shine. We have to hold faith. How many of us sit here today not seeing the light, the true light? Do our behaviors match what our faith is? We have to hold out hope. Going on verse 7, it says, Then after this, he said to his disciples, Let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. Are you going there again? Hmm. Why would you go back to a place where they just sought to kill you? He knows it's not his time. He has that vision. He already has that light. Because these next two verses, I thought, why are these even here? Picking up in nine, Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble, because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the light, he stumbles, because the light is not in him. You see, I was like, why? That's kind of out of context as I read this. And then I started looking into what the church fathers had to say and what the commentators had to say. And they were saying, basically, he's referencing the darkness. They're not being allowed to see what God has for His glory in this situation. Going back and forth from darkness to light. Are we enlightened by God? Are we allowing Him to work within us? A good work so He will be glorified? Or are we just trusting Him just enough that only one candle is lit? The season will light four candles. The Christ candle is the brightest of them all. We've got to pull from that and allow each part of our life to be illumined by Him. You see, so that is perfect right in the context if you understand it. Then it goes on. This he said, and after that he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go so that I may awaken him out of sleep. He's talking in a paraphrase. They don't truly get it. The disciples then said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he was speaking of literal sleep. They're not really understanding what he's saying. Do we understand all the scriptures that we're always looking at? Or do we bypass some of them? Do we not look at them and really stop and think and cherish them and say, Lord, what are you trying to say in these words? They don't change. But our perspectives change sometimes and we can get it. We grasp it a little bit better. Sometimes we need to say, La, we need to stop and think about different perspectives in this way. During this time of year, I challenge you to stop and really think about the Lord's coming and His birth. Would we have recognized it if we didn't have it already in the Gospels? Do we know the prophets well enough to have recognized Him? Or do we need to go back and memorize the prophets even more? Now, Jesus... <clears throat> so Jesus then said to them plainly... See, I'm going to tell you right now. Sometimes I just need my head knocked and I need it said to me plainly. So I will see it. He said, Lazarus is dead and I am glad for your sakes that I am not there so that you may believe but let us go to him. Wow. They had seen people healed but yet he's telling me... For your sake He's dead. How much more light? How much more do you need to see? But this is for the glory of God the Father. How much wiser is it for you to be quiet and listen to the Lord and understand Him than for us to speak? Thomas was not wise in this next situation. Therefore Thomas, who is called Didymus, said to his fellow disciples, Let us all go so that we may die with Him. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Thomas, right? He's the same one. He needed to poke his finger in Jesus' side. Sounds a lot like Peter. In the, I'll go to death with you. You're not sitting back and allowing God to work on your heart. So when he went there, he found him in the tomb already four days. He would only waited two days, so he would have died right about the same time. Maybe Jesus would have got there right before he died. But Jesus, knowing what needed to be glorified was God and allowing people to see who he was in this way, he went on. And Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews who had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother, they, they were all gathering. I believe some of these Jews that were actually encouraging them and consoling them were probably some of the ones that were actually wanting to crucify or actually throw stones and kill Jesus beforehand. You're going to see later in some later passages. That's possible. But I do want to say this. I want to talk to you. I forgot to bring an ounce of pepper with me today. How many of us, whenever we're cooking or we're busy about our work, we just can't see what's plainly there? The other day, as I was thinking about this teaching and what I was going to do, I was cooking dinner, and I love to cook. But, when I was in the midst of it, as you know, there's certain times when you're cooking, you need the salt, you need the pepper, you need the ingredients within a short period of time to make it just perfect. And as I was getting anxious, none of you know that I'm an anxious person, right? But I was cooking, and I couldn't find the pepper, and I, I said, Caroline, where's the pepper? I can't find it. It's not in the normal place. And she walked up. She goes, this pepper right in front of you? Right? My eyes weren't open to what was right in front of me. And a lot of times, for a lot of us, what's right in front of us isn't clear. And we need to go to God and say, Lord, work on my heart that I may see your scriptures. Open my ears that I may hear what you have me to hear. This is a season to reflect on that. So Martha came. And when she heard that Jesus was coming, went to meet him, but Mary stayed at the house. Martha then said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. She had already seen him heal people that were sick. Even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you Jesus. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. This next part shows that she knows the Torah and she knows the prophets. Martha says, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. That's my hope. He will do that. What was right in front of her? Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will even will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? She said to him, Now I want you to pay attention because her words say one thing. We'll get to the passage later where her faith, her words say it, but her behavior does not say it. She said to him, Yes, Lord. Yes, I have believed that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, even He who comes into the world. Basically saying, yes, I know the prophets, I know that you were to come, and I know that you are the one. When she had said this, she went away and called Mary, her sister, saying secretly, Teacher, the teacher is here and is calling for you, getting her sister to go see Jesus. And when she heard it, she got up and quickly and was coming to Jesus. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha met him. Interesting to me. He hadn't moved. Illustrating that, at times I think, we have to go to him. We have to stop what our busyness. And we have to turn to him. Jesus didn't move. He didn't get any closer. He got to that point and that was it. Sometimes, maybe He wants us to stop what we're doing and go to Him. Then the Jews, who were with Him in the house and consoling her, when they saw that Mary got up and quickly went out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Maybe they didn't know that Jesus was there at that point. Only Mary may have known. Therefore, when Mary came where Jesus was, she saw him and fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Telling me Mary and Martha had talked about that. If Jesus was just here, he wouldn't be dead. Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping. I love this, because it shows emotion of Jesus. He was deeply moved in spirit and was troubled and said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept as he went. So the Jews were saying, See how much he loved him? But some of them said, Could not this man? So the ones that are truly consoling are coming along, but the other ones that are doubting, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man also from dying? Jesus again, being deeply moved within, came to the tomb. Now it was a cave and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, remove the stone. Now, remember, Martha said that she believed that he was the resurrection in the, the Christ, the one that had been sent from God the Father. But what's her behaviors here? <clears throat> um, where were they? The sister deceased. Martha said to him, Lord, by this time there will be a stench, for he has been dead four days. Don't open that. That's going to smell really bad. But she wanted him to bring him from the dead. But her behaviors weren't saying that. She was still darkened, I believe. She wasn't enlightened at that point. Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Remember that messenger I said went back probably to them? Right there. So they removed the stone. Jesus raised his eyes and said, he said to Baraka, Father, I thank you That you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but because of the people standing around, I said it. Not for his own need, but for their need, to enlighten their hearts and their minds, so that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice. I believe there was some jitter in his throat because he had been crying. Lazarus, come forth! Lazarus stood up in that tomb, and the man who had died came forth, bound hand and foot with wrappings, and his face was wrapped around with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. See, they had all seen the glory of God at that point. We hold on to that same hope for ourselves. But we have to make sure we don't lose that light and that illumination. Therefore, many of the Jews who came to Mary saw that he what he had done and they believed in him. So some of them had the light shine at that point. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them the things which Jesus had done. What I said earlier. They're wanting their own place. Let me, we're going to read on. That was a main passage. But you're going to see how Caiaphas prophesies. And he has an illumination for a brief period of time. I didn't catch this until the past few years. And I was like, wow, wait, hold on. Caiaphas prophesies about Jesus? Therefore, the chief priests and the Pharisees convened a council. And we're saying, what are we doing? For this man is performing many signs. If we let him go on like this, all men will believe in him. And the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. They were basically saying, hey, we've got to do away with this guy because he's performing everything that God said in the past, but he's going to basically destroy us and our place in the world. Right? They're dark. Their eyes have not been allowed to be opened. For a brief second, Caiaphas was... But one of them, Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, said to them, You know nothing at all, nor do you take into account that it is expedient for, for you that one man die for the people, and that the whole nation not perish. Now he did not say this on his own initiative, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus was going to die for the nation, And not for the nation only, but in order that he might also gather together into one, the children of God, who are scattered abroad. Caiaphas could see for a brief period of time. He prophesied that Jesus would do just as he would do. Caiaphas could have stopped Jesus' crucifixion, as we know. But he didn't. We can see the light because we have the New Testament. But if we take a step back, could we see the light that shines even through the prophets? Telling us of His coming? I encourage you to read the prophets this year and see if you can see it. I struggle sometimes because I already know the outcome. I already have the light shining. But I'm not to be conceited let me share one passage of Scripture that I also didn't have illumined within me until the past couple years, just a few verses back in chapter 10, 22 and 23. And I believe it's because our behaviors here at the Disciple Center are practicing the Judeo-Christian um, practices. And this passage was brought to us talking about Jesus observing the Feast of Dedication, which is Hanukkah, right? I didn't know it before I came here. It says at that time the Feast of Dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter and Jesus was walking in the temple in the portico of Solomon. Because we're practicing and our behaviors continue to move towards the knowledge and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ... I believe the scriptures can come to life and bring even brighter knowledge to us all if we'll just take a step back and reflect not just on the coming of the Messiah and how he came but even the prophets and how they prophesied of him coming can become even richer and our knowledge will grow greater until his second coming when it will be placed on all of us and the knowledge will be full And the light will shine, for we will not even need the sun to shine in the sky, because the brightness of the sun will be here with us. Let's go to the Lord in prayer.